0: I guess, I guess we're, we're starting. Cool. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. Another episode of what we saw last night, of South Jersey's horror culture podcast. I guess we're one of many. I don't know. Let's get right into it. We got a cool special guest with us today. Jim Wexler, who is writer, director, producer extraordinaire, has a few films on Shudder. And um, yeah, thanks, Jen, for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we, we, uh, we, we always start with, like, a, a stupid warm-up question. And then we to kind of get everybody, like, acclimated, introduce each other. And uh, then we'll, one or two warm-up questions, and then we'll get, get into uh, an interview. Um, Enrique, could you read it? Because my page isn't loaded. <laughs> yeah. With observation of spunky old broads day, according
2: to National Day Today, Name your favorite old lady's film. Can be a character or actress.
1: Okay. Um, favorite old lady's film. So, not like Golden Girls. Um, uh, Gloria. John Cassavetti's Gloria. And she wasn't even old. She's probably like in her 50s. But I don't know. Back then, she was supposed to be this like old broad in the movie because whatever. Uh, yeah. um, I'll say Gloria.
2: Okay do you, you have any so pat I, we didn't understand the question so I, <laughs> yeah I, like I, can't, I i
0: i just yes, go go julia go we'll just see what
3: i will say i i tried to plan ahead and research but when i googled like older i googled like elderly women in films or films starring elderly women and every single one came up and the actress was like 50 years old yeah but i did come That's up it. with a couple
2: yeah it's like i, I it's like j-lo and like right. Anne hathaway like <laughs>
0: Come on now. Well, how old is J-Lo? J-Lo's like 52, 53 years old. No, she hasn't aged in like 20 years. Yeah.
3: Anyway, my answers were the taking of Deborah Logan. Okay. And honorable mention, Grey Gardens.
1: Oh, yeah. Totally.
2: Oh, nice. So this is not my answer, but it's the answer I'm going to give you, Hocus Pocus.
1: Oh, good answer.
2: Does that count? Are they... Of course that counts. That Miller's not 27.
3: <laughs> is she like the, she not the main focus?
0: She's 8-4. She All right, well, okay. Good.
3: Pat, what's your answer?
0: Oh, uh, Mine was The Taken and Deborah Logan.
3: Oh, well, then mine's Grey Gardens then.
0: All right, cool.
1: I think what this means is that there needs to be more movies featuring, especially horror movies, featuring older ladies. But yeah. So-
2: I just I so I have a hard time understanding and, and processing age like I could look at you and you don't look young or old to me you just look like a human and when I was looking this up I'm like hmm Anne Hathaway I wonder how old she is it's like wait a minute she's only like 40 something maybe 50 yeah. everyone was 50 it made me think like is that old
3: right like i said when i googled it all of the actresses that came up were like julianne moore and i'm like
2: but she's great but it's like she's only 60 where are
1: the older women
2: (laughs) yeah i think
1: time, time is just changing and it feels like what we used to perceive as old and i put that in quotes is just not old anymore and i think that's a good thing that like Uh, I don't know, it's a mix, but probably, like, we're not drinking as much and just smoking as much as, like, so people don't look like they're aging as fast, so you have, like, I don't know how old Jennifer Aniston is, but you have Jennifer Aniston and J-Lo and all, and they still look like they're 30 years old, it literally looks, they look exactly like they looked in the 90s, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, and that's, it just, I've always looked my age, which I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, and I see other people, I'm like, I don't understand, like, how old you are. And I knew j was 50, but I'm thinking, like, is 50 old? Like, 50 can't be old.
3: 50's well, yeah, not old. I think...
2: No, that's what I'm saying.
3: You're right, because it's, it's also the whole phenomenon of, like, people used to dress differently. And, like, 50-year-olds today don't dress like older women mm-hmm. when they used to. Like, they just dress the same as, like, we do. I did think of another answer. This doesn't count, but it does... X. Because oh. it's about an older woman. Okay. She's played by Mia Goth, but she is an elderly woman.
1: Personally, while I I love X and I think Mia Goth does an incredible performance in both roles. I think it would have been really cool to give an older actress that role. Like I want to see an older oh, yeah. actress in that kind of role.
3: Yeah. And like it it made sense for Pearl, but like I don't think they had that in mind when they made X. So I don't even know why they cast me a goth as her because they're not. She, she
0: wanted to. That's why she no, was like, like, "I'm not doing this unless I can be." Like she was very, she very much wanted to be the old lady. Yeah, um,
3: she's she's wild, but there was no reason to do that because like, no. she wasn't playing the same character. She was playing two different characters in that movie, and then they reconciled it with Pearl. But anyway, that film is about an older woman.
0: We'll count all right, all right. One more question number two. And this because like a little kid, uh, one of the kids I worked with asked me it and I didn't have an answer. You run into someone that has never seen a movie before. You recommend them two movies and you can also convince them that one of them is a documentary. So like if you want to mess with someone and have them believe something because they've lived under a rock or in a cult or something and they emerge into your life and you meet them at like a coffee shop and they're like, what's a movie? What two would you recommend them see?
1: I would say this is a person that's never seen any movie ever. Any. Okay, I would say Wizard of Oz because that's like that's like the first movie you see when you're a kid, and I would say um, Back to the Future Part Two was the documentary
0: because that's, <laughs> that's
1: what I feel like we live in sometimes.
0: Nice. I also like the idea that they're going around thinking that DeLoreans are like time travel machines
2: yeah can can i give you a fun fact i just saw wizard of oz uh for the first time sunday saturday yeah Yeah, this weekend and yeah yeah i know right because
3: i i forced him to watch it because he had never seen it before and what do you think
2: so you know what interestingly enough i i the movie's not for me i i believe that if you don't see certain movies when you're younger they're just they, they just won't give you that same effect just like the original Halloween it's like boring now but if you watch the 2018 all the kids are like wow that was such a great movie and I think Wizard of Oz does that but I was amazed at like the transition of dull and dead and then you get into this new colorful world and this new adventure like I enjoyed the adventure I I, I like I I Long ago, I used to paint. So, like, I love colors and I love just brightness. I, I hate lights, but I hate, like, I love brightness when it comes to color. So, like, that fascinated me. Um, I thought it was great. I, I understand why, like, now, today, I can understand why you said Wizard of Oz. Last week, I would have probably scratched my head and been like, uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> also, another fun fact, and then I'll go on with my answer, but another fun fact, people would ask me if I watched The Wizard of Oz before Sunday, and I would say yes. They're like, what did you think? And I would say, I love Michael Jackson. And they would <laughs> tell me, no, that's The Wiz. And for years, I always thought that was The Wizard of Oz.
3: That's funny.
2: Yep, here we are.
3: Okay, so what's your
2: what's so, your So... I'm going to go with, first see I wanted to do a comedy but I don't know if this person is like I don't know they've never they, seen a movie so they, they probably
0: are going to be fascinated by by it. but do they know how to laugh? Uh, they're yeah, it's a regular person. They just right. never seen a movie like yeah, like, they have human emotions. So I would say either one of the two.
2: I'll give them both. this is just one answer, but I'll give them both and they can choose. You can either watch the double feature of the Ninja Turtles from the 90s, so one and two, or you can watch The Sandlot. You choose which one. But I'll say if you watch one and two, those are both are documentaries. You either see the two-part documentary or the one-part documentary. And the next movie would be also a choice, which I, that's definitely not what you asked, but it would, it would also be a choice between, do you know what fear is? Because I have two movies. One would be The Thing. Because, I mean, Kurt Russell's hair was the That's best. That's kind of a good choice. Yeah, like I would do the thing, but then I would give you two options. I would say, here's another kind of fear, because this is real, and I would give them Tombstone. So you would have a choice between the Sandlot documentary or the Ninja Turtles documentary, because in reality, no one's ever proved to me so they're you not you real. you pick
3: one from the first two and one from the second two? You yeah. You can't mix and match. You can't watch like... No. Okay, you can't watch The Sandlot and Ninja Turtles. You have to watch The Sandlot and The Thing.
2: Yep, you have to choose one of the two. And yeah, those are my my answers.
3: Okay. I have a joke answer and I have a serious answer. If I was just like being silly, I I would say watch Bo is Afraid and Men. Oh, God. (laughs) And then just say, this is what all movies are like.
2: Tell me which one's a documentary you would ask them. (laughs)
3: yeah that was the joke answer um my real answer i was gonna say the wizard of oz and star wars episode four
0: which one's the documentary that's a good question
3: the wizard of oz and it's a documentary about getting a concussion
0: i was gonna say head injuries
3: (laughs) yeah it's about head injury safety and what could happen if you have a concussion (laughs) from a tornado and also like storm safety
0: all very important things especially if you live in the midwest
3: yeah it would be Um, like wizard of oz you watch it in like first aid class yeah
0: it's it's an educational i would love that because i i like i I just i feel like we we don't like we don't touch on first aid like in in first aid class you don't touch on head injuries that much they like very much gloss over it so if you were to be like this is what's going to happen if you don't treat it you're you're going to just go into this state and you're going to just disappear. Like people would probably take it a lot more serious. I had like two concussions at work
2: in the year 2023. Oh my God. So it's, it's, it's a real thing. Did
1: you go to us?
2: So, you know what? It's funny because I, I was taking a tent out of the shed that we have because someone was borrowing a tent, but because I think I'm a genius, I stacked them up so that they were like the heavy part was, the heavy part was on top. The tent part was at the bottom. And when I pulled one, the other one hit me in the head. And it felt like it hit me. And I kind of like turned around and made sure nobody saw it. Then I was like talking to the the girl I was giving it to. And she's like, are you all right? I'm like, oh, yeah, Dan, did you see it? And She's like, no, but you were standing there for like five minutes just standing there. With a fucking tent leg on your head. You were in Oz. <laughs> so I might have been in Oz. I, I I really might have been in Oz. I don't remember those five minutes. I I wish I would have remembered those five minutes. I guess because I wasn't in a tornado, I didn't go to
0: Oz. Mm. I went to the Wiz. <laughs> okay. All right. My my answer is it's it's Jurassic Park, is the oh, documentary. Yeah. That's good. Like I want people to believe that there's dinosaurs on the earth like and, and I feel like if you're coming out of I, I don't know like when when this kid asked me I was like is this person coming out of a cult I would like they're like highly religious maybe they don't believe in dinosaurs and then I'd be like well guess what they're real they're on earth now
3: My question is like has the person seen videos
0: No I would say like no I think like
3: have they seen any moving picture before
0: No so anything will just blow their mind
3: they would probably just like pass out, like they've never seen a GIF or any probably, not. any,
2: probably not.
3: They would think it's like the moving pictures in Harry Potter, but they would have no reference for that. Because
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What's your second? Um, I, I, I don't know. I was gonna say Star Wars: A New Hope. Why don't do Godzilla and be like, this That's is all- all- these
2: are the Japanese dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, be
3: like, this is the documentary, and then this is, they wanted to, this is a what if scenario yeah. if they went to Japan. Yeah. That's actually perfect.
0: All right. I'll, yeah, let's get started with this. Jen, originally, like, just like, we've, we've seen um, some of your films and films that you've directed and produced, but what made you want to get in films? And was there, like, a particular movie that was, like, I should do this professionally? Or.
1: Um, I fell in love with horror movies when I was like 10 years old and I started watching all the like late 90s teen slashers like Scream and I know you did Last Summer and um, Urban Legend and all the stuff from like Ooh. the late 90s, early 2000s. The Faculty, Disturbing Behavior, like all those all those movies. And I became really obsessed with horror. And then I, I grew up in New Jersey, by the way. I grew up in North Jersey. Oh, awesome. Yeah. South Jersey,
0: mm-hmm, yeah,
1: yeah. I grew up in Morris County.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, like a half hour outside of New York City. So, anyway, I I fell in love with horror, and then I got the opportunity to intern for a horror TV channel when I was in college called Fearnet. Um,
0: I, I remember Fearnet.
1: Yeah, cool. Well, I worked there. Um, I turned I turned it from an internship into my first real like job after college it was in the marketing department and i just knew i like all i've only had jobs in horror like starting there and then working for glass Eye picks uh which is a production company that mostly made horror movies and then and now making horror movies and that's like all i want to do oh
0: that's that's really cool and, and congratulations on being able to progress it from fear net to where, where where you're at now since you mentioned how much you love horror, do you keep up with like the horror genre? Are you watching like more recent films, or are you like just too busy?
1: Yeah, no, I watch a lot of movies, and I watch a mix of old stuff um, uh, and also new stuff. Like I'm, I go to a lot of festivals, so I see a lot of like festival movies um, and a lot of indie horror. But then I, I literally just tonight watched The Pope's Exorcist, so oh, I
0: watched
1: all yes. Sorts I, I try
2: to watch everything genre. Nice. Sorry, quick question. Yeah, is, no, no. is he the coolest pope you've ever seen? Because there's been
0: some. Oh, he's not a pope. Yeah. He's Pope's exorcist, but. <laughs> Wait, what? He's
1: the coolest exorcist. We've seen. Oh,
0: oh, sorry, 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 sorry. It's been a long week <laughs>
2: Is he the coolest priest? Is that what they are? Yeah. He... Okay. Should...
3: That movie actually is a documentary. Yeah. Not really, but based on the story. Forget,
2: forget the question, because I don't... Uh...
3: That's the concussion. Yeah,
2: I think that's the
0: concussion speaking. Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, what were your thoughts on Pope's Exorcist slash um, Russell Crowe coming in being uh, on a Vespa?
1: I thought it was... The Vespa, was, those are some of my favorite shots in the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. And also, um, uh, Daniel Zavato, who plays the priest from Spain i've worked with him before a long time ago he was in larry fessenden's movie beneath so it's been cool to watch his career he's also like in it follows and he's in um uh don't breathe and other other stuff it's been cool to see him popping up in different horror movies
0: what was your favorite most recent horror movie
1: favorite most recent horror movie um like
0: came out in like the last three four years
1: Oh man, let's see. I'm I'm pulling up my letterbox so I can see what I've seen recently. Um, not horror, but this is my favorite movie of last year. I'll say it's a genre for sure. Okay, my yeah. favorite two movies from last year, which are both genre, although not explicitly horror, were right. Four Things and Leave the World Behind.
0: I love both of them. Leave the World Behind it- It was, I I don't know what I was thinking going into it, but then when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is, like, really good, mainly because I didn't know anything about it. I just hit play because it was, like, the top recommended for me.
1: Yeah, it felt so, like, it felt like modern Hitchcockian. Like, if Hitchcock was alive and making movies now, it feels like he would make, like, stuff like Sam S. Mills making with Leave the World Behind.
0: I feel like that's a great compliment to Sam S. Mills. Yeah. We'll have to let him know.
1: I also, I mean, I think I just love Sam Asmail. Like, I love Mr. Robot. I've loved the other shows he's done. I'm just like a big um, fan of his.
0: I got a question. So, your, your Instagram handle is Blood and Bubblegum or something like that. How'd you come up with that? Because when I saw that, that was like really funny.
1: Oh, thank you. It's Bubblegum and Blood. And um, a long time ago, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was just kind of like describing my aesthetic with my the short films I was making. And he was like, he's, he called it like, it's bubblegum and blood. And then I love that because I really felt like it captured the vibe of what I was trying to do. So I made it my Instagram handle and then I made it the name of my company. I have um, bubblegum and blood LLC.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Me and Enrique, we watched The Ranger recently. How did that like come about? Like we we were talking, uh, me and Enrique, and it was like, what? How'd you choose? Like, like why the w- w- woods? How you, like why was the ranger the killer? Like, what was the process of like creating? I guess the ranger.
1: So did you was, have I like lived- a
0: traumatizing?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, I mostly lived in besides growing up in the suburbs. I've mostly lived in cities, and I I I do fear nature, but. It, it originally came about, I went to college at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia in Center Woo! City, Philly. And my uh, classmate wrote The Ranger as his um, thesis. We majored in screenwriting together. And he wrote the, a, a version of The Ranger as his like senior thesis. And I was like, yo, this script is awesome. Like, I just really liked the concept of punks versus park ranger. I thought that was really smart. <laughs> it felt like something that like, should have already been made in the 80s and I was like I hope that you get an A on this project it's really good and then like years later after I had been working on movies and I learned how to produce and I wanted to direct my first feature I remembered his script and I was like yo can we find that and can we work on it together can we like update it um to our like current sensibilities and um, and he was down. And so that's that's what we did. And that's how it, it came about.
2: Did you so did, I do remember in the, I do remember in the movie seeing a New Jersey license plate is so like I'm, I'm assuming it takes place in New Jersey. I'm hoping it takes place in New Jersey.
1: We think of it as upstate New York, uh, but that's close enough to New Jersey where there would be a Jersey could be a jersey license plate
2: going up actually that that, that makes sense because you could drive from there up to, to like upstate new york so that makes sense well my question was going to be like if you chose jersey was that because you're a jersey girl because although like i've been living in philly for seven years and i'm like from deeper south jersey than where i work at i cannot deny that i'm from jersey like i get kind of excited i don't show motion but like, i get kind of excited so i, I was wondering if if you chose, I guess, this location more so because it's like, it reminds you of home.
1: Definitely. And there was a couple years after college that I lived in LA and I ultimately ended up moving back to the East coast. Cause I love, I love New York. I love New Jersey. My family still lives in New Jersey and I go back there a lot. Um, and I just like this tri-state area. Like I said, I went to school in Philly. So I don't know. My I have a bunch of friends and family in this area and definitely like I was going to, when I was a teenager, I was going to like punk shows in Central Jersey and Philly, by the way. Uh, I would like, I had friends who were in their 20s when I was 16 and they would just like take me to Philly for a couple days to go to shows. And I don't know why my parents were okay with this. (laughs) (laughs) But for some reason, like they were okay with the fact I was gone for like three days or whatever at a time. And uh, anyway, so, so many fond memories of going to punk shows in New Jersey and Philly and, uh, and the whole tri-state area. That's cool. So that that all, sorry. So that all uh, was on my mind. And also my co-writer Jocko is from Philly. So we, it was a, you know, this region, also our producer, Heather Buckley is from Jersey city and she's like obsessed with New Jersey. She like, like if you
2: want to just talk for hours about Jersey, he's the person to talk to. It's it one. It's funny that people from New Jersey they they talk about how much they hate it. They talk about this. I gotta get out of Jersey, but you just I don't know. Is this? It's like it's. It, I think it's it, it like goes into your DNA and you just become like New Jersey. You can't really like get out of it. I think that's and 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 it's always cool when you see. New Jersey, like I I grew up in a small town named Bridgeton, way, way, way closer to the to the shore to Atlantic City. So it's like more. It's like an hour from Philly, and there's nothing going on there. There's like you know, it's it's like a dead town. But there is a movie on Tubi that was filmed there, and the movie was pretty bad, but I loved every bit of it because of the fact that it's from Bridgeton and like, I saw the old roses pizzeria and uh, I, I saw my mom's house, like where my, where, where we grew up at. So it was, it was cool, but kind of touching back up on the nineties, this was one, one thing that I really loved about the ranger. And I, I always say it to Pat and Julia and anybody that's uh, willing to listen is teenagers don't exist anymore. Like that punk teenager, they, they just don't exist anymore. And when you try to explain it to, to someone younger, how like being a teenager in like the 90s and like the early 2000s, it started to die off in the early 2000s. But like being a teenager in the 90s, like you were a little punk, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like the, the Ninja Turtle movies is the closest thing to, basically like the first Ninja Turtle movie is the closest thing to showing you what, that teenage punk was, you know, because it, it, you know, they had the the part and for anyone that doesn't know what the move, how the movie was, it has the part where shredders recruiting a bunch of punk teenagers and they're smoking, they're smoking cigarettes and, and, and what's his name? Um, Sam Rockwell's like menthol or non, you know, it's like they're skateboarding and they're doing tags and they're playing arcade games. Like, that teenager doesn't exist anymore. And I don't, I don't think teenagers do exist anymore. So when Pat and I were watching this at first, I was like, oh, okay, uh, this movie is going to take place in the woods. And then it shifts over to, I, I would assume probably 10 years later or something. And I said, wait a minute, is this a recent movie or does this pl- take place in the nineties? Cause I was like, this is, you know, I I don't know if this exists. So I started to get that, like, feeling of what it was to, like, be in the 90s. And that's the one thing I really love because it's like you portrayed the punk teenager so perfect. And now that I know that you used to go to, you know, a bunch of punk shows, it's, you like, you can't mess it up. Like, you know what it is. And you you... You basically gave people that image that you just don't see anymore. So I thought that was like really cool about that's that's the one thing about the Ranger, like when I talk to people about it, that it's like that's what I like that's the one thing that's like that's my selling point is like do you wanna know what it's like to be a punk and a teenager in the in, in in the nineties? That's that's how it is.
1: Yay. I'm so glad to hear all of that. That's amazing. I'm glad that I
2: that experience like was resonating for you it it hit home so much because i so i was a teenager in 2000 well like 2003 thir- What's thir- was a teenager yeah, 13 okay so about 2003. Yeah, the
0: teenager's 13 yeah, yeah. years all
2: right so i missed out on the 90s teenager but my sister's seven years older and she wasn't a punk like she was bad but she wasn't a punk You know, like she wasn't like chewing bubblegum and like spitting it on the floor when someone says sit down. You know, she she didn't have like cut off sleeves, you know, like that kind of punk style teenager. And but she had friends that were. So it just brings back those memories of the time when I was afraid of some of her friends because not because they scared me, but because they were so cool. And I, I always joke about it, but it's kind of the truth. Like smoking cigarettes is like the coolest thing you can do. And a lot of her friends would like smoke cigarettes. And to me, it was just like, oh my God, this guy is so cool, right? And I would see girls with like different color hair and different hairstyles smoking a cigarette. And I was like, wow, I'm in love. And I'd be like eight years old. It's like, wow, I love her so much because it was so cool. Like, I don't care about anything else except cool. And it brought that back. To, to me, it brought that back, and that's the one thing I like. I told Pat about as soon as we saw it when I was mentioning the movie to Julia. So yeah, I, I I appreciate that. Thank you so much for kind of bringing back that teenager that's just long gone now. That like that era of just cool, you know. You smoke a cigarette now, and it's just like okay, you're stressed out. But back then, you know, you were <laughs> oh, yeah with the
1: with the dyed hair too.
2: Right. Um, well, but
1: what you say like I. I totally feel that because I was a child in the early 90s but had like cousins and you know new older people especially as I started to get older who were 5 7 years older than me and I feel like we always kind of idealize the time period before us like right before us like the music yeah. you know like I by the time I started really getting into music I the like grunge and riot girl had come and gone but you know you're catching up on all that, so you're. I was like trying to like school myself on on all that, not to mention like eighties punk and OG punk, obviously. But I think that's what's so fun about. I think that's so, what's so interesting about like the coming of age journey is your um, you're trying to school yourself on everything that came before you and what you perceive as cool from the people who are a little bit older than you.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that. If it's if you don't keep it alive, it it dies and it and it's just gonna be dead forever. You know, and it's like you're keeping it alive right now with that. So I, I really appreciated that because it like I said, it hits home, but it's also if I'm ever sad that I'm getting old, I can see like I can see the Ranger, I can see the first Ninja Turtle movie and be like, I remember wanting to smoke cigarettes and, and play arcade games, you know. And that's, that's, I, I'm glad you kept it alive. It, it might die soon because, you know, people don't care about, people don't have passion anymore, but I, I'm glad you're trying to keep it alive. Nobody smokes
3: cigarettes anymore. No, they,
2: they smoke it because they're stressed or they're fiends. Like they smoke it because they- No, like, but
3: I'm saying like these kids today.
2: Yeah, kids, they, they, they just don't, vape. Yeah, they don't, they don't, don't, they, don't cool. they don't pat their pack of cigarettes anymore. They, they don't, don't like pull one out with their mouth from the pack.
3: They don't roll it up in their sleeve. Yeah,
2: they don't put it on their ear like, like you do a pencil. They don't put one upside down to be lucky. So I I, I truly, 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 truly appreciate that feeling. And, and I'm, I'm
0: done with my, my my tangent, but I do appreciate that. Thank you. How are you able to, like, make the... Because, like, that and in the sacrifice game, I think, like, the characters feel, like, authentic and just fun. I would say, like, oh, well, not, maybe not everyone. Like, obviously not the ranger and... The, the cult didn't seem that fun even though like at times it seemed like they were having fun but how do you make like the characters seem like so dynamic and like just like engaging i guess
1: um i think that's what we're back we're like trying that's the challenge at every every stage of the process you know we're like on from a script level we're trying to write quirky dialogue and um and we're, we're hopeful that we can make that come across and then when we are on set, really the main thing for me is I want everyone to feel like a family. I want everyone to feel really safe, like all the actors. I want everybody to feel really safe so that they can like let their guard down and that they can totally be present and that they can totally connect with each other. And that kind of ranges from like doing little exercises beforehand, like in rehearsal, to get people uh close with each other. For instance on the Sacrifice game, we had like a stunt day where all day they just got to the actors just like like learned how to punch each other and stuff. And that was like one of the first days they met each other and it allowed everybody to like get to know each other really fast when you're trying to figure out how to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um and I just keep a lot of like open communication. And that also goes like for the crew. Like I want everybody to feel like like a family, like we're all there making a movie together and just keep an open dialogue. And then of course that, then you move into the editing stage and then you're trying to find those little moments, even ones like I didn't even realize we caught because maybe there's an actor in the background doing, having a good reaction that I didn't notice on the day. But then in the cut, I'm like, Oh my God, look at what he's doing. Put that in, you know, and you, and you build it uh, there as well.
0: That's awesome. I but when I got like one more question left on the, the ranger, was it screamed at the MoMA?
1: It it was yes.
0: That's I I I saw it somewhere like just when doing like background research on the movie, and it was like on the Wiki, maybe Wikipedia or something or something. How was that? Like that was wild. I didn't even know they did movies.
1: Yeah, so there's a theater in in the MoMA, and um Larry Fessenden who is uh. Uh, the head of Glass Eye Picks, uh, the production company I worked at for several years. Um, and he's a, an amazing actor, director, producer, writer. You've definitely seen him in many horror movies. He's a, you've seen him get killed. and He's been killed nice. in so many horror movies that he has a death reel on YouTube. Um,
0: <laughs> That's so cool.
1: He, by the way, he's in The Ranger. He plays the uncle in The Ranger. So anyway, they uh, Momo was doing a retrospective of all of his movies and the ones he's directed, but also the ones he's produced. And he started his company in 85. So it was like 35 years of movies or something. And, um, and The Ranger was included. So for, you know, an entire month, I think it was 2022, uh a month or two months they were just playing his movies all the time and the ranger was included in that
0: you uh, casted uh was it chloe levine she's in the ranger she was in a movie you produced and in sacrifice game i'm guessing you like her as an actress yeah. uh what, what, what's it like working with her like what, what what brings you to keep wanting to cast her and would you continue to keep casting her
1: yeah so chloe and i met when we were casting for the ranger and she had been in The Transfiguration, which is another indie horror movie. Uh, I really liked her in that. And she's also in the TV. She's been in a lot of TV shows, but uh, she's one of them is The OA. She was in seasons one and two of that. And uh, I thought she was like my, the dr- dream Chelsea when I met her. I was like, you're meant to play this role and then after we shot The Ranger we just became really good friends and then I wanted to keep putting her in everything and then uh so she's in Depraved which is a movie I produced yeah. and then she um uh my co-writer on The Sacrifice game and I wrote the character of Rose with her in mind uh because we wanted her to play that role when the time came to shoot it.
0: What was it like Okay, oh, yeah, go, go. Oh, no, I was just gonna say she was amazing in the Ranger.
1: She's great,
0: she's yeah, yeah. she's incredible. Yeah, no, she she really is like, and it was like really fun when, when watching, re watching, be like, oh, because like, like I didn't look up who was in what, and I was like, oh, oh she was in, in the Ranger, that's really cool. When watching like Sacrifice game, that was, that was awesome. So, like, you're going into the Sacrifice game. And and like you've got some movies under your belt, so like, do you we, did you go in feeling like more confident than you did going into um, like say like the ranger, like do you feel like like you're going in as like a writer, director, producer, you have all these duties, and, and like, do you just feel like now that you've had some movies under your belt, like your like craft is like growing?
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think that that's what's so important about experience. Like, you don't get experience making movies unless you're making movies and that goes for anybody you can do as much film theory as you want you could watch as many movies as you want you can watch as many youtube tutorials as you want or take classes or read books or whatever but there's nothing like on the ground experience um and being in it and that when you're doing that it literally feels for me i like to talk about it like it feels like someone's drilled a hole in my brain and they're just like pouring information into my skull so all of these experience you know when you're shooting you're we're only shooting for like a month on these indie movies right but that in that month the every experience is like resonating in an insane way like at the magnitude that most months you know go by yeah unless you're having a crazy situation like they're not gonna like sit with you but anyway production just like stays with you for so long afterwards so the ranger my first movie as a director that was its own experience and learned a lot there and the sacrifice game it was really cool because i had a, a really incredible support system on the sacrifice game um we shot in canada we had uh awesome producers the producers on the ranger were also great it's just the the sacrifice game was a bigger situation we had a union crew Uh, we had like a 75 person crew so it was just uh at a bigger scale uh the ranger was great because it felt like a bunch of friends making a movie in the woods and the sacrifice game was like just felt like the next uh step up in terms of size
0: what was a day like for you because like you're doing everything you're only there for a short period of time it had to have been like an action-packed day. <laughs>
1: yeah, every day was was very action-packed. Um, they're long. You're going. On, you're shooting on very little sleep, um, especially because a lot of that, uh, both of those shoots were night shoots, and I have a really hard time sleeping during the day in general. So during night shoots, I end up getting like two or three hours of sleep. And then I, you know, you have to come back and, and then shoot another 12 hour a day. So but you, you kind of learn and, and are able to roll with it. I will say what's really hard. When you're a director, uh, you, you come in, and you do these shoots for like a month at a time, and then you go into post production, or you start writing your next project. So they're only kind of like, a couple of weeks at a time that you have to rev yourself up for it. But production crews have to, like, this is what they do all the time. They have to work with these insane schedules all the time. So it is really important that everybody recognizes that. And then you tr- you try to build the schedule so that people are able to get home in a, in a fair way and, and and not be driven by these extreme hours
0: that's i mean that's nice that you say like people get to go home like you're you're, you're taking to accountability kind of everybody and it seems like such a like grueling process but like so like how did you guys did you get a chance to celebrate with the crew when it was all done or was it like everyone had to go on to the next project or
1: usually i love to do rap parties um on the ranger we had an incredible rap party where it ended up at a karaoke bar. It was super fun. Um, on sacrifice game, we didn't do a rap party. However, our premiere was in Montreal where we shot. So everybody was able, like the first audience that got to see the movie was like the cast and the crew that made it. And, um, and we were so we sold out this like huge theater. It was at the Fantasia film festival. And then we threw a dope party in a mansion afterwards. And it was like, so that was our big celebration for that one.
0: That's good. I feel like it's important to celebrate like accomplishments with, with like the crew that you get to do, do together. Like we had a uh, Joe Bendeli on who did, uh, he produced um uh, hell house and he was saying how like, sometimes they don't get to like celebrate together. And like, he kind of like hates that. Yeah, you got to celebrate. Yeah, no, no, like, what's the point if you're not going to at least enjoy the the work that you guys do? When, when watching the Sacrifice, again, there's a lot going on. I mean, like, it's easy to follow, but, like, how how did you choose, like, the storylines? Because you've got, like, the Manson family. Well, I don't want to say, like, the Manson family, but, like, you've got this, like, killer cult. You got, like, a boarding home school that kind of reminded me of the Holdovers, mainly because I, I saw the Holdovers before that. So like you got like demons and and a lot going on. So like how how did you choose?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. That you, it's funny you mentioned the holdovers. I wrote the I wrote the sacrifice game, the first drafts of it in twenty thirteen, and that was like a lot of the big parts of it were were discovered there. So that was like Manson, you know Manson esque killers home invasion at the sporting school and the girls have to survive the night and it takes place on Christmas it was like a lot of those big ideas and then um just time and and me like growing and learning like it took the time that it took we didn't actually end up shooting until 2022 which is almost like so overall it was like a 10-year process of having this thing in in my mind and then um and it's so funny that the Holdovers came up came yeah. <laughs> in the same season. And I was like, I love Alexander Payne, like movies. Election is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it was so cool to see like, oh, this. what does another filmmaker do with a similar concept? It goes in a very different direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting the way uh, the universe works.
0: I want to believe that they're in the same, like, cinematic universe. I,
1: I love it. Yeah, yeah. The Holdover School is just, like, a, you know, 30 miles west.
0: Nice. I, I would love that, like, you know, it's, like, in, in, in the same universe you have Paul Giamatti, like, with a kid in Boston, and then other people are fighting a demon. Yes. <laughs> same situation. One's, like, there's the stakes are much higher. Totally. <laughs>
1: yeah. Different. Different
0: stakes. Yeah, yeah. Different stakes. But like, I don't know, like, oh, that, it was just such a, such a fun movie. Um, what inspired the demon part?
1: So originally, so, okay, so spoilers. Anybody listening, we're going to talk spoilers. Okay, so um, originally, in the script I wrote in 2013, it was uh, it was like the one of the girls was possessed by the demon. And then my co-writer in 2018, when we started working on it again, he uh, was like, what if... Claret is the demon and when he said that I was like oh my god you just made this whole thing you just elevated this whole thing sometimes the, one of the most magical things about writing is when you when there's an idea like a small idea that just changes everything like it just elevates everything it just twists everything to a whole different level And that was one of those ideas because then I was looking at every single one of her scenes differently and suddenly she became, um, she just had um, more intention and autonomy and she had a goal and she was trying to escape this school. And that, so the details of the backstory and the ritual, like we had those things, but they really started to become fleshed out once we had that big, um, midpoint twist of Claire's the demon
2: So quick question that just came up in my head Is it safe to say Claire was the good guy in this movie? <laughs> I think it
1: depends on you as a viewer.
2: Well, they everyone thinks that I love the devil. I just appreciate his work in horror movies. Yeah. But she was kind of nice, you know? I don't we... know, maybe maybe I interpret nice differently, but she wasn't like mean or anything you know
1: we personally love thinking of her as like the demon as the hero but you know it, it. i think it really depends on on who you are as a person and and your background and what you think of these kinds of
0: things Yeah, i mean it can't be the cult they definitely aren't the hero i guess like the, the one member maybe might be like he had she's shown some i guess heroism Neither he can't like the big guy who was guarding—I wouldn't say he really,
2: I wouldn't say he showed heroism. He just—I wouldn't say heroism.
0: He was just. It seemed like he was stressed out. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking like fine. He was going through it. Like he was struggling um, for a large portion of the movie. I
2: just, I just really, I don't know. I, I, so I saw it once with Pat, and then Pat said, "Oh, let's let's watch Sacrifice Game," and. For some reason, I never pay attention to anything, so I didn't even know that was the movie I watched like a week or two before. So I, I also re-
0: know like it was like a month, month and a half. But yeah.
2: And then when when we rewatched it, I I I said, oh, because I, I already knew what happened, and I said, you know, to myself, she's kind of the hero. She saved basically herself. So maybe that's selfish, but she also saved what was her name, Samantha. Mm-hmm. She also saved Samantha. Because she was the devil, unless I remember incorrectly, but she was the devil when she let her escape. Yeah. She was, that's what I'm saying. The devil gets a bad, like, he gets a bad rep. but I don't know, man. He he, he was the hero here. <laughs>
0: I yeah.
1: mean, I agree with you personally.
0: How would you handle it? Like, like you're in a situation where you, you have a, a new friend and then you find out that they are actually the devil and they, how, how would you handle that situation?
1: How would I handle it? Yeah. Um. I mean, I I wrote it. I wrote it from a place of having these intense um, female friendships, and like loving the person so much and thinking they were so cool, but they knew they knew some like specifically the friendships I'm thinking of they were the girls were like a little older than me they were a little cooler than me they knew things I didn't quite know yet so that all totally so I would have done exactly what Samantha
2: did which I would be
1: like I'll follow you anywhere like be my best friend
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I'd be I'd be hands down I'd be friend you were my so you you be to tell me you're the devil and you wanted to be cool with me like that's that's pretty cool, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: It it honestly doesn't get cooler than that. Like, I do have another question, and this is more of a, this is more of just like a curiosity thing that I, I always have it. And again, as I said earlier, I I love the devil's resume when it comes to just horror in general. I mean, he's they've written books about him, you know, they've made movies about. Few- him. <laughs> Just a few, you know, just a few of their, uh, achievements, and you know they've been fighting the devil for years. So I, I I wonder because in nothing, in nothing that I've ever seen or read or heard or that I get this answer, but it's like why why do demons when when they're possessed like it, it because it was part of the movie. Why do demons, when they possess someone, why do they contort the body? Why, You know, like, why, why is their body always... You can't see me, but, like, why is their body always doing this?
1: Um, I think that was a thing, and I, I don't know this to be true. Maybe somebody listening knows the real origin of this, but I think it became very popularized with The Exorcist and uh, and Reagan's body contorting in weird ways and The Exorcist, and I think that that set in pop culture, this idea of little girls in nightgowns possessed by a demon and their bodies contorting in weird ways. And personally, and then there's like an old, older priest guy who's, you know, um, and saying his magical prayers to save them. And personally, that's what excited me about this. And that's why that's part of the reason why we have that dance sequence in there. I wanted to like embrace that trope, but spin it and have have it become a like symbol of uh, empowerment
2: cuz it wasn't like some movies they exaggerate the that part of the contour in the body and it just it, it, i I just I never I never understood and as a kid it was funny to me because it was like it's like trying to fit in the pants that don't fit and I just I I don't I don't know I just I never knew and always want to know like is there like a real reason like is this like uh is there like a scientific reason or is there like a like like well like you said it was it was it's more so uh, paying respect to the exorcist which i guess that makes sense as like the legit reason i just always wondered like what is the devil doing inside your body that he's just gotta like does he not fit in the body i don't that these are the things that (laughs) I <laughs> mean like
1: physically does he not fit so that's why there's confusion.
2: yeah yeah like is he is he is he, was he like taller than samantha was because it seems like he's like always taller than the person he's in
3: there like like when the blankets are bunched up and you got to like kick your feet yeah in the bed. yeah, that's what's
2: yeah. Going on. or like or like in the cartoons when the kid when like they're trying to put on like a shirt and it's way big and they're trying to find a way out it it, it these are some of the the things that I, I feel like they must be answered. So I mean, I, I do spend most of my life no, but like why 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 is the devil trying? Why is he trying to fit?
3: I don't think he's trying to fit. I think he's trying to terrorize. There's symbolism. It is like the whole visual. It's like the girl in a nightgown, and it's
0: well, scary. It's scary every time.
3: Terrorize them because it's like he's
2: never possessed a tall person.
3: But if I he think- did he'd be doing the, like, like when their head spins around, it's not because he's stretching his neck. It's because he wants to spin their head around. He doesn't
2: know which people's. way to look.
1: <laughs> I think it right. also just has to do with, at least with the exorcist imagery, taking, um, you know, the picture of innocence and making it as vile as possible.
3: Exactly. Cause then s- some of it, you kind of get into like symbolism. It's like, it may be like, vaguely vulgar they're like oh she's
2: i'll explore this until the day i die in the i mean i think we have an answer
1: Yeah, masturbating with a cross like it's supposed to be vulgar it's like let's look at this cute little girl you thought she was so cute in the beginning of the movie now we're gonna have her masturbate with a cross and vomit and have her head spin around like you know what i mean they want it's like the devil does is doing the worst thing possible to this sweet angelic child
2: okay exactly yeah I just think he's a he's a silly man, but, but you think
1: you
3: think it's like when you put on a pair of footy pajamas that are a little bit too small for you, and you're trying to stretch them. That's, pretty that's like kind of like that, yeah. On? Well, that's a theory.
2: Yeah, I was just I was just curious. <laughs> it's it's something I ask a lot of people because it's just I'm really curious, and I see it. And I, I did like that it was, you know, part of like a dance sequence. Like it wasn't ridiculously exaggerated, which that's fun too. But sometimes it's not like the time nor the place. And she wasn't the kind of, she wasn't trying to come off as scary. She's just like, I feel like this devil was kind of like nice. You know, he wasn't trying to really do much. And that's a good thing. Like, you don't, you don't always have to be like an asshole. You know, you can possess somebody, but just, you know, you just want to get out, I guess. I don't know. Sorry. I that, Sorry. I, I um, was just curious.
1: Yeah, our demon just wants freedom. She just wants
0: to get the fuck out of that school. Yeah, and it's like, I I can't imagine being in a school, like, the logistics of, like, you're trapped in a school for, for like, ever. That That's that's hell. But, like, it's yeah. like the demon's so relatable, you know, because
2: you're trying to get the fuck out of school every day. And he's been there for years. Like, he's been there for at least more than 12 years. Oh, yeah, he's been
1: there since the 1800s.
2: Like think about yeah, it. Like, it's we, a <laughs> yeah, it's very We suffered. He's i was saying he's, like hey He suffered. He's like, we suffered kindergarten through 12th grade. This guy suffered 200 years in a school. He's heard the same thing over and over. Yeah. So, I think the devil was the victim
0: in this movie.
1: I agree.
0: Yeah, yeah. victim and hero. Victim turned hero, which is I think that's what makes it like so much fun. Like there's like, there's a lot going on, but the way it's paced makes the, and that, that's like credit to you and the and the uh, the crew, you paced the movie in a way that we could watch it and enjoy it and take in a million things going on. And it was fun.
1: Thank you.
0: Would you consider this a, a Christmas horror movie?
1: Definitely.
0: All right, great. Because like, I, when I, my sister was like, I don't know if I would consider, I was like, she was like, not everything that takes place during Christmas is I was like, I think it is a Christmas horror movie. Like,
1: I agree that in in general, just because a movie takes place during the Christmas holidays, doesn't necessarily make it a Christmas movie. But if one considers the holdovers a Christmas movie, I would say the Sacrifice Game is also a Christmas movie because Christmas, as in the holdovers, by the way, is part of what instigates. The plot of the movie, you know, it's Christmas break. Everybody's going home. Everything is like, you know, moment after moment, scene after scene, Christmas is involved some way, whether it's the Christmas dinner or it's the Christmas gifts, giving the Christmas gifts, uh, opening the Christmas gifts, or, like, this, the design of the movie includes Christmas. It's there's
0: winter. Like, there's winter.
1: snow. The songs, I'll be home for Christmas, at, like... Any what it does not have, and this is quite intentional, it doesn't have Santa mythology, but you don't need Santa mythology to make something a Christmas movie. It's not a Santa movie, but it is a Christmas movie.
2: I feel like they had on, like, they even had on like Christmas clothing, it felt like. Samantha yeah. and Clara,
0: it gave off like Christmas pajama vibes. Yeah, yeah like a very cozy attire. That would be like fitting for for Christmas. I have a question. What what do you got coming? Do you have anything coming up that we should be on the lookout for?
1: Um, Right now, I'm just writing stuff. Nice. uh, Yeah, just deep in in screenwriting right now.
0: Cool. Who would be someone like a dream actor to bring on? Actor, actress, someone to work with?
1: Well, Paul Giamatti said that he wants to make horror movies. So right now, he is my current dream movie star to work with.
0: That would that would be something. You could be like, hey, well I already made the holdovers the horror movie.
1: Exactly.
0: That that, that I loved when he said that. I I, I did see that he's like, I love the like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: master. I wanna be
2: in
0: horror. Like that'd be cool.
1: He was like defending horror in that interview, which was so cool.
2: it's like horror doesn't get the respect it deserves. And I get it because some things are far fetched, some things are cheesy, some things are silly, but when you think about it the acting in horror you have to pretend to be afraid which i know that's what i know that's what acting is but like you have to pretend to be afraid of nothing you know and then you add most most of the good horror movies you have some sort of practical effect you have some sort of makeup or mask and all of these things it's not like it's an easy thing to do but because it's so silly it's horror you usually have like actors that aren't really known And they might do the same kind of movie. So, like, people kind of pass it off as, like, okay, yeah, well, you know, whatever. But horror has a lot, like, there's a lot of just creativity in horror. Even remakes sometimes, as goofy as some can be. Even remakes, like, you're taking, how can I scare you today? How can I use technology advancements to upgrade you know, maybe make it darker. Maybe, like, the, the 2018 Halloween movies, they were, they felt darker. Like, the the original Halloween, for some reason, it felt lighter. And, and like, light-wise. And the new one, they were they were dark, you know? And, and it it's like, how can I make you afraid in today's standards? So, like, there's a lot. And horror just kind of gets, like, Ah, uh, it's, it's 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 like go sit at the kids' table when really it should you should take account of like the practical effects. You should take account of like some of the creative kills. You know, maybe you're not a gore type of person, but you know, there's movies where there's no gore. It's just you know, maybe there's maybe there is killing, but it's a different kind. It, it just I don't know. It it has this weird like. Go go over there real quick, kind of feeling what people t- so seeing him kind of defend horror and seeing some people defend horror is like it's really cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, real quick, my last question for you was: How would you feel like like just given that there's so there's with the advent of like Shutter and streaming and um, such passionate horror fans, um, how do you feel like the direction of the genre of like is going?
1: I think that there's more ability uh, for more uh, filmmakers to be making their movies now than ever before. And it's awesome that Shutter has been um, able to support so many uh, horror filmmakers with their, with their movies and their premieres. I think the industry as a whole is kind of in a weird moment right now because of the strikes and now more you know the threat of more upcoming strikes and obviously before that COVID and I'm not saying anything like I'm 100% for uh the strikes but I just mean um it feels like projects haven't been moving we're not quite back at the like business as usual in the way that it was at, at some point I don't know we keep having these big work stoppages so anyway that's a really I'm not sure if I answered your question
0: no, no, and it's it does. I mean, some questions don't even have answers. So,
1: but I'm excited for um for all all of the cool horror that we've gotten to see over the past few years, and all the cool horror that I'm sure is coming down the line.
0: And I think that's like a nice button end, um, because like I'm out of questions. Does anyone else have anything? To say. Oh yeah, no, I was just going to ask a quick question: Is there a
2: cameo of Jen Wexler, or will there ever be one?
1: Like cameo, like the website? Like,
0: like, no, like yeah. in the movies. No. no. <laughs> I was no, like, no, no. no, I've
1: never gone on Cameo ever. Maybe.
3: Like,
2: will remember? you ever be in a movie? Like do do you think it'd be cool to like
3: Like a Stephen King situation?
2: Yeah, or like how Stan Lee would be in all of his in all of the Marvel movies. Like would you ever sneak yourself into to a movie?
1: Uh, to be determined, I haven't felt the drive to do that yet. Um, however, my parents are in most of my movies. Really? Um, my parents love being extras in my movies. In the <laughs> oh, that's so nice. In the Sacrifice game, there's a couple Christmas carolers in the very beginning, and they're in the Christmas caroler group. In The Ranger, my dad plays a cop where the cops come into the club, and they're, like, shutting the club down. He's one of the cops. And then they're also... <laughs> They're also in some of the movies that I produced. So I can say for sure that I'll keep putting them in my movies.
3: I just wanted to say before we end, I wanted to shout out a movie we didn't mention, but you were a producer on the movie Darling.
1: Yeah. And that's just
3: like one of my favorite films. Like, I love it so much. I don't know if you two have seen
2: it. No, it was on our list of movies to see. It's
3: so good.
1: Starling was one of the first movies I produced. And, um, and Mickey Keating, who directed it, is an incredible director and a very good friend. And uh, he's made, if you haven't seen his other films, he's made a lot of really cool movies. I would highly recommend you check out, including Off Season, which is one of his more recent ones.
0: Oh, I've, I have seen Off Season. Cool. I like that. Really, that. That was really good.
1: Yeah. His like aesthetic and style are so cool. Yeah, I really love the style of that movie. I love movies that have chapters. Yeah. I really love that. yeah, Darling certainly has chapters.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for um, coming on. This was a blast and a lot of fun. Thank you. And I uh, can't wait to see uh, whatever it is you're writing because we've enjoyed it.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was so fun. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for coming on.
0: All right.